Joey of the Chalet School, Chapter 3, The Chalet School Grows. The whole of the next day was devoted by the girls to Robin, with whom they all fell in love at once. She was a dear little girl, very happy and sunshiny, as her father had said, and not at all shy. The very first morning of her coming, when she awoke, she had sat up in bed, looking curiously around at the little curtained-off cubicles, with its dainty yellow curtains and pretty touches, rubbed her eyes and said, "'But where am I now?' in the prettiest French. Joey, who had been lying, reading, tumbled out of bed and trotted into her. "'Hello, Robin,' she said. "'Can you speak English?' "'A very little,' replied the Robin. Then she went back to her French. "'Who are you? Where am I? And where is Papa?' she asked. "'I'm Joey Bettany,' replied the owner of the name. "'You're in Brassau, at the chalet school, but I don't know where your father is.' "'Joey?' The baby made a valiant effort to pronounce the word, but it failed and came out something like, "'Zoe?' Griselle, in her dressing-gown, appeared. "'Hello,' she said. "'I'm Griselle, Griselle Cochran.' "'Griselle,' repeated Robin. They found that it was a habit of hers— to repeat the name of people she had met for the first time. That is easy to say. And the other mademoiselle, what does she call herself? Her name's Juliet, replied Joey in French. You'll have to buck up and learn to speak English, you know. I understand him very well, replied the robin with dignity. But is that I not speak him well at home? With Mamma, we speak French. Mamma has gone a long way away. She went on, dropping into the more familiar language, and Papa is going long way too, and I cannot go with him, so I must stay with you. Who will give me my bath and dress me and brush my hair? I will, replied Juliet, who had just come out of her cubicle and went into the one where Robin was holding her little court. "'Will you get up now, Robin, please? It is time we begin to get up. Joey and Griselle, you must hurry up, or you'll be late as usual.' Robin turned her great dark eyes on the tall girl with the long fair hair, who was standing smiling down at her. "'Are you Juliet?' she asked. "'Yes, I'm Juliet. Will you get up now?' Robin climbed out of bed and dropped onto the floor with a bump. "'I can't bathe myself,' she informed the older girl. "'Never mind.' Juliet's French was by no means as fluent as Joey's, and she often had to pause before she got the right words. "'I'll do the bath for you. See, here comes Marie with your tub.' Marie, with a broad smile, appeared between the curtains, carrying a wooden tub, and a large jug of hot water. "'Grüß Gott, mein Fräulein,' she said to Juliet. Then, as she looked at the baby, "'Ah, das Englandkind! Grüß Gott, mein Liebling!' "'Guten Morgen,' replied Robin politely. She was not at all overcome by being called an angel child, and Juliet gathered from her chatter, as she was tubbed and dressed, that her pet name and tender words had been a matter of course in her little life just as a little frock of pink woolen material was slipped over her head. 
there came a tap at the door, followed by the entry of Miss Bettany, come to see how her little pupil was faring. "'Good morning, girls,' she said, as she came into the room. "'Well, Robin, so you're dressed.' "'That was kind of you, Juliet. "'Run along and finish your own dressing now, dear, or you'll be late. "'Robin, you can come down with me.' "'The Robin slid her hand into the slender one held out to her. "'Good morning, mademoiselle. "'Juliet has been so good to me, and Zoe and Grizel are kind, too.' Miss Bettany led the child away, and presently Joey, helping to hang out the bedding over the balcony railing so that they might be aired, saw them going down to the lake together, and Robin chattering as breathless as she could. "'She'll be the baby now,' she said. "'Won't Amy be thankful?' "'Shrieking for joy, I should think,' laughed Grizel. "'It's just as well. She might have been jealous. "'I say, Joey, look!' "'There's those girls we saw yesterday. "'They're staring at the chalet like anything. "'See them, Juliet? "'Don't they look topping? "'I mean jolly.' "'Awfully jolly,' agreed Juliet. "'I wonder if they're thinking of coming here to school. "'They're staring hard enough.' "'The three hang, hung out the bedding, "'watching the two Italian girls, "'with such interest that they never heard the bell ring, "'and Miss Maynard had to come to fetch them.' "'Now, then, you people,' she observed cheerfully from the door, "'don't you want any breakfast this morning? "'Whatever are you doing?' "'They turned round, all very red, at being caught like this. "'Miss Maynard, I'm so sorry,' cried Juliet. "'We never heard the bell.' "'So it seems,' returned Miss Maynard dryly. "'Well, are you coming or not?' "'They followed her meekly downstairs into the spiesel.' where Robin was making short work of the bowl of hot milk before she attacked her roll and honey. "'Why are you three so late?' demanded Miss Bettany as they came in. "'We were watching those girls,' explained Joey, as she slid into her seat. "'Which girls? Do you mean those two who you talked about yesterday?' "'Yes, they were standing at the lake path by the bushes and staring at the chalet.' Madge Bettany was interested. Really? Yes. Oh, do you think they might be coming here? implored Grizel. Her headmistress laughed. My dear girl, I have no idea. They would hear about us, of course, at the Crown Prince Carl, and that would probably account for their interest. It would be gorgeous if they did, Juliet contributed her share to the conversation. How many would that make us, madame? Over thirty. Ooh-wee! How decent! I do hope they come. Wouldn't it be magnificent? Miss Bettany laughed again. You're startling the robin. She won't understand such wild enthusiasm. Do you like honey, robin? Will you have some more? The robin accepted some more honey and another roll. She was very quiet, watching everything with big eyes and listening to everything that was said. "'What are you people going to do?' asked the young headmistress as they finished their breakfast. "'I'm going down to Innsbruck tomorrow, and I'll take you all with me to help carry the parcels and so on. "'What do you want to do today?' "'They considered. "'May we take the boat to Brakow and walk to the sea-off?' asked Joey finally. "'We can carry the robin if she gets tired.' 
We might go directly after Meta Jensen and get tea there, and then come back by the boat. They give you much. They give you such a gorgeous cake at the Seaoff Hotel. Very well, you may do that this morning. I think you better show Robin Brassow. Don't get her tired out, though. Miss Vetney smiled at the small, eager face, under the black curls which was raised to hers. Do you like walking, Robin? Very much, thank you," replied Robin promptly. "Very well then, that's arranged. Now trot along and make your beds. Do you want to go with them to Brakow? The Robin nodded and slipped down from her chair and trotted happily out of the room with them. Miss Maynard stood looking after them. Poor little soul," she murmured. Miss Betney nodded. Yes, indeed. I don't understand. I don't like the idea of Captain Humphreys going to Russia. One hears such dreadful stories about happenings there. She's such a baby too," said her colleague. "Well, talking won't alter things. What shall we do today? I want to arrange the new dormitory," replied Miss Betney. "We can put the curtains up now that the beds are in place." Then there's Mademoiselle's La Petite Chalet, and yours here to put in order. Shall we go up and do the long dormitory first? Miss Maynard agreed, and they were soon busy with pretty pale green curtains of the big dormitory that ran right across the house from back to front. It was under the roof, so that the middle it was quite lofty, and at the sides it was very low. A long window ran across the wall at each end, and the door was in the middle at one side. There was room here for four cubicles, and Madge had planned to put Gisla, the head girl here, also Bernhilda, Grisel, and Bet, the other senior boarders. Juliet was to remain head of the big dormitory immediately beneath, which had eight beds in it. The room which Miss Maynard had occupied during the previous term was to be made into a bedroom for two, and Mademoiselle's old room would hold three. Over at La Petite Chalet, there would be nine little girls, with Mademoiselle in charge. And said Miss Betney, as she finished draping the last pretty curtain, "If we get any more older girls as boarders." I must send Simone, Margia over as well, and that will mean arranging another dormitory. Who will be in the lower one? Queried Miss Maynard. Oh, Juliet, Joey, Gertrude, and the four new girls: Paula, Rosalie, Vanna, and Avandine. The Hamels have taken the little chalet near the post. And Anita and Giovanna may come, or they may not. Are the Merciers going to La Petite Chalet? Miss Betney stopped short. My dear, I had absolutely forgotten about the Merciers. And you haven't given Simone and Margia a place yet. Are you putting them in Mademoiselle's old room? Yes, they're about the same age, and for Joey's sake, I think it better to separate her and Simone. Well, Suzanne can go with them, 
and Yvette will, of course, go over to La Petite Chalet. She sat down on the nearest bed. Well, I never for one moment imagined we should grow like this. Of course, people like the Marnseys and the Steinbucks and the Mencheses are only boarders for the winter. Still, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Miss Maynard nodded. In a way, I suppose it is, but they all like you enormously, and after all, you are doing a lot for the girls, you know. It's easy, replied Miss Bettany, as she penciled her dormitory list. They're all such dears, and the girls are so keen on school. Then they've recommended us to their friends as well. The Marnies spoke to the Van Ectionens. Of course, Paula is coming, because her cousins are. The Ericsons are coming through the Stevens, and so it goes. And there goes the bell for Meta Jensen, laughed Miss Minard. They went downstairs, and presently the six were sitting round the table eating, followed by chicken cooked in some delicious way, which was Marie's own secret, and apple tort, a kind of cake with baked apples on the top. When it was over, the two mistresses accompanied their charges to the boat landing and saw them on to the boat. It was a lovely day. Once more, the September sun was shining, and the Tarnsey was blue with blueness, which adds so much to its beauty. The robin was delightfully happy over everything, and she shrieked with joys at La Lac is Blue as she danced along the path. The bright day had tempted out the few visitors who still remained, and among them they saw once more the two Italian girls and their father. Joey nudged her sister. Look, those are the girls we saw yesterday, she said. Madge looked at them with interest. She approved of the pair. They had a fresh, well-groomed appearance, and they seemed nice girls. They, on their part, gazed at the group, which had reached a landing and stood waiting for the little steamer with more than ordinary gazing. Miss Maynard noticed it, too. I believe the girls are right, she said. I shouldn't be a bit surprised if we received a visit from their father, or whoever he is, before very long. Here's the boat, said Grizel enthusiastically. Oh, isn't it a topping day? Miss Bettany raised her eyebrows at the forbidden slang, but she felt that she couldn't be continually nagging at them, though she wished that Grizel would try to remember. Juliet saw, though the culprit didn't, and determined to say something if she got the chance later on. Meanwhile, she turned her attention to the passengers coming off the boat. The next minute, Joey turned and uttered a shriek. Gisla, Gisla! A tall girl, who was walking sedately down the gangway, turned her head. Joey, she cried. Papa, here is Joey. Oh, Gisla, exclaimed Grizel. How lovely. I thought you wouldn't be coming till next week. We are going over to the sea-off for tea. Can't you come too? Gisla glanced at her father for permission. Certainly, he said, smiling, as he raised his hat. Thank you, Papa, said Gisla. That will be so nice. All right, Joey, I'm coming. She ran down to join the others, while Herr Marini moved over to where Miss Bettany stood waving to them. Bruce got Fräulein Bettany, 
he said, greeting her with a pretty Troilinese greeting. How goes it with you? It goes well, Herr Marini, she replied, giving him her hand. How good of you to let Gisla go. Now I shall feel quite happy as our head girl is with them. You see, we have a very small new pupil. Yes, she is indeed a baby one, returned Herr Marini with a smile. And how goes it with you? Is Frau Marini well? And where is Maria? My wife is very well, he said. She and Maria are still in Wien, and where they will stay until Wednesday of next week. Then they will come home to Innsbruck. I am so sorry, he went on, that we cannot use our summer home up here for the winter months as I had arranged, but my mother has been very ill and wishes us to be with her this winter. I am glad you can make room for my girls as boarders. They are very happy with you. I'm so glad, said Miss Bettany simply. I'm very pleased to have them, especially Gisla. She makes a splendid head girl. There was a little more conversation, and then Herr Marini took his departure. The two girls went back to the chalet school, and there set to work on the other dormitories. They were still very busy when Marie appeared with a card in her hand. Signor de Ferrat, repeated Miss Bettany. Who on earth can that be? Better go down and see, suggested Miss Maynard. I can finish this quite well by myself. Perhaps it is the father of those two girls, and he came to arrange for them to stay as boarders. Very well, Marie. I will come at once. The head vanished, and Miss Maynard went on with the task of hanging up the pretty mauve curtains that divided the cubicles of the three bed dormitories. Half an hour later, just as she was sitting down to her tea mit zitron and cream and honey cakes from Innsbruck, Miss Bettany came into the Spiesel. Well, said Miss Maynard. Madge Bettany nodded. Yes, Luigia and Bianca de Ferrara are coming here, and my dear, we shall start this term with thirty three pupils. Chapter four. Term begins. Grizel, I'm going to meet the boat. Are you coming? shouted Joey outside the chalet school. Grizel poked her curly head out of the east window in her little dormitory and looked across the lake to Bracau, where the little lake steamer was lying. All right, wait a minute, and I'll be there. She hunted madly for her blazer, struggling into it, and fled downstairs out to the path where Joey was waiting for her. At last, I thought you were never coming. Come on, we must buck up. They tore along the path to the landing, where the nine o'clock steamer was just tying up. There's Mademoiselle, shrieked Joey. Simone's beside her. I suppose the other kid's her sister Renee. I can see Brunhilda. See them? Cooey! The excitement of the pair sent a smile round the people standing near, but they cared nothing for that. From the boat the other girls were waving and calling, and when at last they all met on the path the noise they made was simply terrific. Mademoiselle was quite as bad as anybody, and there were so many questions to be asked and answered 
that the boat was well on its way to sea off before any of them moved on. How many are we this term? inquired Bernhilda of Joey as they set off for the chalet. Heaps more than last term, anyway, replied Joey. Thirty-three! Thirty-three! How delightful! Who are there? Well, Wanda and Maria and her cousin, began Joey. Yes, yes, I know that, replied Bernhilda, with an impatient movement of her hand. Also that Gertrude brings her little sister. But who else? Joey thought. There's the robin. You know about her, of course. Her father was a friend of my father's years ago. She's six and a darling, and her mother is dead. Her father is in Vienna just now, but he's going to Russia. You'll love her, Bernhilda. I'm so sorry for her. Bernhilda's blue eyes were very soft. She was a tall, pretty girl of fair German type and long, fair plates, an apple-blossom skin. Her younger sister, Frida, was very like her, but there was much less character in her face, and she was a quiet little mouse, while Bernhilda was quiet was quite a leader in the school. Simone, the little French girl who clung closely to Joey's other side, was as typically of France as Bernhilda was of the North Troll, with big dark eyes set in a little sallow face, black hair, and very neat hands and feet. She was intensely sentimental and cherished a tremendous admiration for unsentimental Joe, who was thoroughly bored by it, but was too kind to say so. The von Eckchen girls, Wanda and Marie, who followed with Grizel and their own cousin, Paula, were very lovely pair with thick golden hair, violet eyes, and skin of rose and cream. Grizel was pretty, and so were the two mansions, but Wanda and Marie van Eckchen made them quite commonplace. As for Paula, she was dark and very ordinary, and Renée, Simone's little sister, who was a second edition of Simone. Meanwhile, Grizel was pouring forth much of the same information as Joey had given, and the two added news that Gisla and Maria had already arrived, and that the new mistress, Miss Durant, was also at school. She's sleeping over at La Petite Chalet, chattered Grizel. We shan't have much to do with her, only drawing. She seems quite jolly, and she's keen on hockey. Miss Maynard told me she had played for her country. Where's Juliet? asked Bernhilda, as they reached the Crown Prince Carl. My sister won't let us all come, explained Joey. She said we'd deafen the whole lake if we did, so we drew lots to see who should come first, and it came to Grizel and me. Juliet and Gisla are going to meet the eleven o'clock boat. Crowds of people are coming by that. The Stevens and the Mercers and all a whole bunch of people. Have the English and the American girls of whom we heard last term arrived yet? asked Bernhilda. Gracious! What a sentence! Oh, it's correct English, all right, but it's so, so correct, explained Joe, who often found the English of her foreign friends very boring. You mean Rosalie 
and evendine don't you no they aren't here yet i don't think they're coming till the sixteen o'clock boat as a matter of fact then as gisla and maria the only early ones mm, was joey's reply unless the new italian girls have turned up of course what italian girls joey asked simone speaking almost for the first time oh two quite new ones they came up last week and their father landed the next day to make arrangements he's italian council somewhere and he heard of this school through someone i forgot who and came up to see it he's quite mad on english things cause he went to an english public school himself and he liked the chalet awfully so they're coming one's fifteen and the other's twelve and their names are bianca and luigia at that moment miss bettany appeared with miss maynard and everyone promptly surrounded the two mistresses madame it is so nice to see you again we are well i i hope you are well as well yes thank you bernhilda i am very well no need to ask how you are you look splendid all of you have you had pleasant holidays where is mademoiselle by the way i thought she was coming by this boat she went round to la petite chalet madame explained grizel she said she would see you afterwards oh i see wanda i'm so glad to see you and marie is this your cousin welcome to the chalet all of you now come along to see our new arrangements grizel will take you up to your dormitory Bernhilda and Frida and Paula go with Joey. Wanda, I've put you and Marie together for the present, as you asked for it, until Marie gets accustomed to the school. And Simone, we've moved you into a new dormitory with Margia and Suzanne. Rene is over at La Petite Chalet with the other small folk, and you shall take her over when you've seen your new quarters. Ah! Here comes Juliet and Gisla. Come along, you two. I want you to take these pe these people to their dormitories, and then you can all go over to La Petite Chalet and inspect it thoroughly. Now, hurry up, for there's still heaps to be done. They scattered laughing. Bernhilda and Grizel ran up to the dormitory where Bernhilda was introduced to one of the lake window cubicles. Gisla has the other one, explained Grizel. Bet and I have the valley window between us. Aren't they decent? Gisla is head here, and we are to have some privileges, as we are the eldest. Juliet is head of the yellow room, and this is the green room, and she is to share our privileges. In the room below, Joe was explaining to Frida and Paula where they were to keep their possessions and all about the dormitory rules. Shy Frida listened in silence, and Paula was rather too much overawed to say anything. In any case, Joe's English was distinctly difficult for her to follow since that young lady forgot all about the rules against slaying in her excitement and topping ripping and vile absolutely it and other forbidden expressions freely sprinkled her speech miss bettany coming in to see that all was well stood in the doorway smiling grimly at the unconscious joe informed the new members of the dormitory that 
It's simply ripping having such crowds this term. Even if the kids don't play hockey, we'll have enough for two ter- for two teams, which is top hole luck. Josephine said her sister's voice at the moment. Joey swung round and turned beet red color. I forgot, she said lamely. It sounds like it, said Miss Bettany, a twinkle in her eye. Please don't forget again. Then she turned and left them to go to the blue room, where Gisla, Wanda, and Marie were all standing by the window chattering. Here is Madame, said Gisla as she entered. Wanda turned with a smile. Oh, Madame, it is such a charming room, and the color is de- delightful. She spoke slowly and carefully, for English was still a difficulty to her. You like it? asked Madge. That's splendid. Has Gisla shown you the form rooms yet? Show them all over, Gisla. You old girls, you have to look after the new ones. She withdrew and went into the last dormitory with a little quaking sensation. She was not at all sure how Simone would take their separation from her beloved Joe. She and Mademoiselle, who was a distant cousin of Simone's, had talked it over at the end of the previous term, and had decided that it would be better for the both children if they were parted. Simone must learn to make other friends beside Joey, and Joey often to have a little freedom sometimes. She was one of the most unsentimental of the schoolgirls, and the French child's adoration had often been trying to her during the past term. All the same, thought Miss Bettany, I do hope Simone won't spend all her spare time in tears, or I shall regret our decision. She went into the room, but it was empty. Evidently, Simone had taken her small sister over to La Petite Chalet. Miss Bettany having Miss Bettany heaved a sigh of relief and went off to her own quarters. It was now half past ten, and in half an hour there would be a fresh inflow of pupils. She had barely settled down herself to copying the timetable before Miss Minard appeared waving a dormitory list at her. What is the matter? demanded the head. We've forgotten those two new girls from Italy, gasped Miss Minard. Goodness, how awful! Let me have the list. Miss Bettany took the neatly written list and skimmed it through. Yes, I have it. Simone can go over to La Petite Chalet, as I said, and Frida, too. Then Bianca can have Simone's cubicle and Luigi Frida's. What a good thing we got that extra dorm ready in case of need. Go and tell Frida, will you? And send Joey to take Simone's things over. I'll run across and settle it with Mademoiselle. We must fly. Fly they did, and as Bernhilda and Grizel came to the rescue, the two cubicles were soon arranged, and Simone and Frida were settled. In a way, said Miss Minard, it ought to be a good thing. They're a colorless pair, and they would certainly never have had a chance in those other rooms. Now, now one of them will be bound to take the lead, which will be just as well. The two people concerned didn't think so. Simone promptly dissolved into tears at the thought, and Frida wondered unhappily how she would get on so far away from Bernhilda. However, when they had assembled for a metagensin at thirteen o'clock, they were as cheery as anyone.
Miss Bettany glanced down the two long ta uh, tablefuls of girls with pride. They all looked so fresh and trim in their brown tunics with their tasseled tops. The girls with long hair had it fastened with ribbons to match, and as she afterwards said to Mademoiselle, the chalet spiesel really looks like a school dining room. Twenty of the boarders had now arrived, and the others would be arriving during the afternoon. On the morrow, work would begin. The girls were all together today, but except at the weekends, the juniors would be in future have all their meals in the little spiesel at La Petite Chalet. As far as possible, they would be kept there, having their own classrooms over there and their own music room and playroom. Yvette Mercier, and the eldest of them, was nine, and the others were mainly eight years or older. So it had been decided that it would be best for them to have their own quarters away from the elder girls. Yvette, who had just been informed that she would be head of the junior school, was very proud of herself. She was a quick, clever girl, with any amount of personality, and her mistress felt fairly sure that under her the juniors would soon grow in unity of spirit, and later on would be able to make themselves felt in school affairs. After Meta Jensen, they scattered up to unpack, and the rest of the day was spent in getting their books ready for the morrow, settling about seats in the four rooms, and racing about in the bright September sunshine, and talking, any amount of talking. On the morrow, they would have to speak English most of the time, but today they might use their own languages, and the effect was reminiscent of the Tower of Babel. German and French predominated, naturally, but there was a good deal of Italian, and two new juniors, Thyra and Ingborg, could speak very little but their native Norwegian. Joey chattered a polygot mixture, for she was as much at home in French and German as in English, and Juliet and Grizel stuck to their own language as much as possible, while Rosalie, the new English girl, felt literally tongue-tied with most of the others. When nine o'clock brought the bedtime, the senior dormitory, Juliet and Luigia, Miss Bettany, drew a sigh of relief. I feel, she said to her three colleagues, Marie, was in charge at La Petite Chalet for the moment, just as though no one had stopped talking once to-day. Thank goodness for a little peace. Here, here, laughed Miss Maynard, and I'm off to bed, if you will excuse me. I think we'll all go, said her the head. Mademoiselle assented. I, too, come, Mademoiselle, to Miss Durant. Let us seek our own chalet. Good night, said Miss Bettany. I think it's going to be a good term. Top hole, said Miss Maynard wickedly, and with that they retired for the night.